Let's talk about how you made this amount of money, uh, which is uh, by far the largest amount of money that any individual has in Africa. So um, you came from a wealthy family or not a wealthy family? Uh, I came from a wealthy family. Uh, my late uh, uh, great-grandfather uh, in the 1940s was actually the uh, richest, uh, you know, uh, West African. My late grandfather was one of the wealthiest Nigerian, you know, uh, the family name is Dentata. That's from my maternal side. Uh, my father, too, you know, was fairly rich, you know, but he was both, uh, you know, in business and also in politics. But, you know, uh, David, one thing that I'm very, very proud of is that I did not inherit any money from my father. I built everything from scratch to where I am. So your father died when you were relatively young? Yeah, he died when I was eight years old. So uh, he didn't leave in his will a large amount of money for you? Well, he left in the will, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, whatever that I inherited from him, which means in assets, I gave that one to charity since then. Okay. So did you go to college in uh, Nigeria? No, I, I went in uh, Egypt. Egypt, all right. And what did you study? Uh, business. All right, so you graduated at what age? I graduated at about 20 years old. All right, so you went back from Egypt to Nigeria? Yes, I went back. And then and I, what did you get a job? What did you do? I started work with uh, my, you know, uncle, but there's few months, and then I went to Lagos, and now I started my own business by just, you know, buying cement, selling. You know, it was just a very low-key business. All right, so you're 20, 21 years old. You're buying cement. You're a trader. You're not, I was trading, yes. You're not was, making cement. You're trading it. <clears throat> I was trading at that time. Now, cement is your main business. We'll talk about it in a moment. But why is cement such a big part of uh, Africa's, uh, you know, wealth? At well, least you in know, the, the issue is that when you look at cement, cement is what builds infrastructure. And we need a lot of infrastructural deficits. In Nigeria alone, we have about 17,000 deficit of housing. And it is all over in, uh, you know, Africa. So when we started cement in Nigeria, we realized that majority of it was actually imported and that is why we went in there we started and it's a long story all right we are back for another great episode of how to acquire podcast you just heard from aliko degante and we'll pull up some information uh, on him in a second i'm really excited uh for those coming in if this is your first time listening on this season we are studying black billionaires and also uh, diving into uh, billionaires overall. But mostly this season is about Black billionaires, and each episode is inspired by a Black billionaire or uh, billionaires in general. All right, so on this particular episode, I wanted to look at what they say is the richest Black man in the world, Aliko Degante. And I want to see where it takes us. Uh, I know uh, I have some questions pop up about how many episodes will we have. Uh, typically, we do about 10 episodes per season. Uh, so I think this is our eighth episode, I believe. So we got a few more left. Uh, so make sure that you are taking down your notes and then applying this information to whatever it is you want to build. All right, we have the information pulled up, and we're on Spotify if you want to look at the video. Otherwise, you can listen along. Uh, I have heard that it is quite the experience to listen to this and see the video, um, especially as we're exploring and things pop into my brain, and we look it up to prove it. It's a really great opportunity uh, to learn. All right, so we pulled up Aliko. Degante, and I apologize if pronounced a different way. So let's kind of look through the basics of the bio, and then let's see where that takes us. What questions come to mind? Where does it take our brains? What are we curious about? These are the kinds of things you want to do when you want to get in frequency and be inspired by someone else, take that information on, and then decide for yourself how you want uh, 
to transfer, transfer that energy so you can become everything you want to be. Now, I'll say this. This has to be said. Give me one moment. I'll say this, and I do have my drink on me. So if you hear me sipping, that's what that is. A lot of people will study someone and basically just do what the other person did. And I've never been a big fan of that. I'd rather maybe be inspired by what somebody else has done, but not necessarily just do what they did, right? Unless... For whatever reason, that's always what you wanted to do. Because then it kind of gets into the whole copycat thing. I've never been a big on that. Be inspired by it. Find the answers within it for yourself and decide for yourself what's best for you. All right. Aliko Degante is a Nigerian billionaire business magnate. Degante is the founder and current chairman and CEO of Degante Group, the largest industrial conglomerate in West Africa. All right, so that's just a quick bio. And what does that inspire? Well, here, right here, it says Industrial Conglomerate and Degante Group, right? Now, why does that matter? Well, on our last episode, we did a billionaire census. And we looked at the top 10 billionaire industries, but this was only in the United States, if my memory serves me correctly. Well, no, it says billionaires in different cities. Maybe this was all over. I apologize. It's not just the United States. Um, So that's perfect. So one of the industries that they said was where billionaires reside is, well, you guessed it, industrial conglomerates, right? It's second on the list of industries where, where the billionaires make it a primary industry. And here we are, the richest Black person, um, in the world is Alinko Degante, and he uh, owns and he's a CEO chairman of the largest industrial conglomerate in West Africa. So let's look into this Degante group. Let's copy and paste that word into our search engine and let's see where does that take us? What is the company currently doing? What's currently in the news? Let's look at the news real quick. Are there any articles four days ago? Degante Cement kicks off bag of goodies three in style. Degante Cement shareholders endorse N20 per share. Degante Group to be honored at National Waves. Degante Cement unveils plan to create 25 millionaires monthly. Oh, whoa. We should look into this, right? Their cement company plans to create 25 millionaires monthly. So let's look into this. Let's click on create 25 millionaires monthly and let's see what the plan is and take it from there, right? Because I'm really interested in knowing what that mission is and how we can get people um, aligned with that. So let's see if we can get that to pull up here. The the link seems to not want to pull up. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So we're on punchng.com. Degante Cement unveils plan to create 25 millionaires monthly. Degante Cement PLC has said that at least 25 millionaires will emerge every month, courtesy of its N1BN promo tag. Spell Degante and become multi-millionaire. The promo, which was launched in Lagos on Tuesday, and the presence of regulators from the National Lottery Regulatory Commission and Federal Competition and Consumer Protection Commission is expected to offer life-changing prizes, which will make immense economic value to the loyal consumers. <clears throat> According to the company, Degante Cement Bag of Goodies promo season three, which runs from July 5th to October 31st, will provide customers the chance to win prizes like television sets, refrigerators, rechargeable fans, generators, and millions of airtime gifts of major networks in Nigeria. A statement said every single day of Degante Cement to be produced daily through the prom- promo period 
would contain scratch cards for various gifts to be won by consumers. Well, this is interesting. This is very interesting. We are offering life-changing prizes, which have immense economic values as they can be used to kickstart small-scale businesses. Okay, these prizes are targeted to help many families recover from the impact of COVID-19. This is really interesting. Um, it, it feels like a, kind of like a charity type thing. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on that. I, I don't know if this is like a concrete plan of making millionaires. It seems like they're gifting uh, gifting this out and using it as charity to get people uh, the necessary resources to recover from what COVID-19 appears to be the, the situation. We'll have to see if that keeps pulling up. All right, so we're still looking at the news here, and I'm also about to pull up their website and see where what we can learn from it. So I've just pulled up the Gante website, and I want to learn more about it. A self-sufficient Africa. Sustainability. The Gante Group is all about creating ventures that serve the interests of stakeholders communities and the people concerned. We believe in establishing impactful businesses that are socially responsible to cater for people's needs. So what do they do? I know we keep hearing about cement, right? <clears throat> Who we are. About Degante Industries Limited. Degante Group continues to grow its vision of becoming the leading provider of essential daily needs in sub-Saharan Africa. Oh, here we go. We continue to sustain and improve our market leadership in cement, manufacturing, sugar milling, sugar refining, port operations, packaging material production, and salt refining. Okay, so I think this leads us into a conversation we briefly had the other day about what is an industry conglomerate, right? Because if it's the second category, If it's a second category where billionaires reside, we should understand it a little bit more. And so I, I did a quick look at it before. I just want to refresh our minds on what is it? What is the definition of an industrial conglomerate? A conglomerate, a conglomerate is a combination of multiple business entities operating in entirely different industries under one corporate group usually involving a parent company. Okay, so let's pull up Degante. Yeah, that should be in Nigeria, right? There it is, Degante Group. All right, Degante Group is a Nigerian multinational industrial conglomerate founded by Aliko Degante. It is the largest conglomerate in West Africa, one of the largest of the African continent. The group employs more than 30,000 people generating revenues, of excess of $4.1 billion. Okay. Degante Group was created in the 1970s, so they're in manufacturing. Oh, so here are the subsidiaries. So you have a parent company with subsidiaries, right, that go into multiple industries. Degante Cement, the largest cement production in Africa. Degante Sugar is another subsidiary. Degante Refinery is another subsidiary. Oh, here we go. Degante Sugar, Degante Pasta. You see? So they're in consumer goods, they're in business support, they're in logistics, port management, property development. All these different uh, companies appear to be subsidiaries of the Degante Group. Also, there's a Degante Foundation, and I'm not sure what this is. Oh, this is his, uh, well, I'm not sure if this is his wife or a relative, Halima Degante. She's an executive director. Oh, his daughter, I apologize. She is also the second daughter of Aliko Degante. So we'll go back to 
the Nigerian businesses. And look, we got consumer goods, business support, logistics, agro-allied, business support, port management. So this was what qualifies it to be an industrial conglomerate. They're in multiple different industries underneath one roof of the Gante Group. So what does this inspire me to do? I want to go, I don't even know this is even a real thing. I don't know. But I want to go on YouTube and I want to see, does anybody even talk about industrial conglomerates? Is that even like a, a common conversation that somebody's built a video around? Let's look. Bear with me here. I find this to be a very interesting topic. Profitable industrial conglomerates may see more mergers. Why conglomerates split up? How one Indian industrial conglomerate is giving China one jolt after another. This industrial conglomerate began in a U.S. barn. What is a conglomerate? What does conglomerate mean? Okay, the 10 industries that meant the most millionaires. So conglomerate would probably be inside of this one. Oh, here they go, they got 12 chapters. Okay. So what I'm doing on this particular, I'm just exploring. Cause I wanna see when we put in conglomerate, what is being said if this is the second most uh, primary industry of billionaires, how is this being covered around the world, right? So let's go back up to the top. This is from 10 years ago. I want to look at these videos. Hopefully, we have some good quality to them. Let's see. This is going to be very interesting. Welcome to the Investors Trading Academy Talking Glossary of Financial Terms and Events. Our word of the day. A conglomerate is a corporation formed by the acquisition of one firm of several others, each of which is engaged in an activity that generally differs from that of the original. The management of such a corporation may wish to diversify its field of operations for a number of reasons, making additional use of existing plant facilities, improving its marketing position with a broader range of products, or decreasing the inherent risk in depending on the demand for a single product. There may also be financial advantages to be gained from the reorganization of other companies. In the late 19th century, many American conglomerates such as the Standard Oil Company and Trust sought to control all aspects relating to the development, production, marketing, and delivery of their products. Responding to criticisms of the apparent monopolies enjoyed by such companies, the U.S. Congress enacted antitrust legislation with the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890 and the Clayton Antitrust Act in 1914. A strategy of diversification spurred the formation of many conglomerates in the mid-20th century especially as firms sought to acquire unrelated companies whose products and services might better withstand economic slowdowns. Well, that's interesting. So, some would say that this is a diversification strategy. You have one main... Well, that's, you know, let's look that up. Is there a... I like the little charts that they're using. Industrial conglomerate... I want to see a chart. Oh, this is perfect. Perfect, perfect. You see how when you just start off with something, let's see if this pulls up. A handful of companies control almost everything we buy. 10 companies control almost everything we eat. And they're showing Nestle, PepsiCo, GE, I think it's GE. 
Kellogg's, Mars, Coca-Cola, Unilever, and how they own all these different brands, right? And what I'm just looking at and see what they're doing is by having all those different brands, they're having an industrial conglomerate, which allows them to diversify. Well, they're having a conglomerate, may not be industrial, right? So let's look at, I want to look at one of those. What's this? Okay, let's pull up one of these. It seems to be a popular one. I want to look at something that's not as popular. Here we go. 182 beauty companies are owned by seven major. Here we go. Oh, it's actually the same article. So let's look at this. All right. So we have Business Insider up, and it says 182 beauty companies are owned by seven major lead leaders. Johnson Johnson owns Rogaine. It owns Aveeno. And it owns Johnson's Brands, Neutrogena, all underneath the same company. And so what they're arguing the people that were giving us the definition, they're arguing this is a way to diversify. So look at L'Oreal owns L'Oreal. It owns Dean, Essie. I mean, it has like 30 of these companies down here. And it allows them to truly uh, diversify within different segments. Look at this. Procter & Gamble owns P&G, Gillette, Olay, they get to spread themselves out and not be tied down to one specific thing. It allows them to be swift. And so when downturns happen in one area, well, no worries. This particular industry will keep thriving. Do you see that? Let's look at another video from a conglomerate. This is really interesting. It's the second popular way that billionaires focus their energy. Let's look at what they were saying 10 years ago about industrial conglomerates. I invest in Invesco QQQ, a Let's fund that they were saying and see if what they said 10 years ago is any truth to it. It says here on the video, profitable industrial conglomerates may see more mergers. Let's see why they say that. Well, with Wall Street buzzing about mergers and acquisitions following the Exxon XTO announcement yesterday, keep an eye on industrial conglomerates as another hotbed of merger activity. That's at least Deutsche Bank's view. Markets reporter Sheila Damrajan explains who is on the prowl and are we just talking about the energy sector? Well, no, this is actually we're going to talk about industrial conglomerates. So people like Danaher and Dover and Deutsche Bank thinks they're going to be a hotbed of M&A activity. And in fact, they actually have two acquirers. So Danaher, they estimate that they have $8 billion in M&A firepower. And Dover, this is a company that makes everything from pumps to refrigeration. They estimate they have about $2 billion in acquisition firepower. So a lot of money to play with. And of course, the big question is, what could they be looking for? Well, Danaher Management, they've talked about staying close to their knitting. So on that note, analysts say that acquisitions in the medtech space could make a lot of spends. And actually, someone told me to take a look at Dianex. They do gas chromatography, and they could make a logical acquisition for Danaher. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about Dover, we talked about how they make pumps. Analysts think they're going to continue to grow in that space. And two names that were actually mentioned to me are Flowserve and IDEX as potential acquisition targets. So it's all strategic positioning to add to the portfolio exactly. there. What's driving M&A here? A couple of things are driving it. So first of all, when you think about industrial conglomerates as a whole, they've built these businesses through M&A activities. So it's very much in their DNA to take advantage of that. And speaking of taking advantage, when you look at deal multiples for industrials right now, mm -hmm. things are looking pretty cheap. So we looked at EV to sales multiples, you know, hovering around the 1.6 times area in 2006 to 2008. Now those deal valuations, you're starting to see them compressed. So 1.2 times right now. So potentially very, very good bargains out there that of course these industrial conglomerates can take advantage of. And also we've talked a lot about how companies are hoarding cash this quarter. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of balance sheet liquidity, very low leverage. Again, two other reasons why we're going to see so back then, they're talking about having billions and billions in M&A activity. 
Right. And she was saying that a lot of these companies built their brands. They built their company through just acquiring in certain areas. Well, bingo, how to acquire. It would seem that industrial conglomerates are right up our alley. Not the only one that's up our alley. Not the only place to look. But there is some type of value in pulling up our handy-dandy business census. Here we have it right here. Now, all these people are going to be acquiring, right? All these industries that we're looking at, they all have acquisitions, but mainly would be industrial conglomerates because they built their portfolio through acquisitions, most of them. Let's pull up the Degante Group again, and let's look at how they diversified, just, just as an example. So sugar, pasta, salt, and seasonings. So these are all consumer goods. And those, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, we have, to, we have to run the numbers. But these are all going to be in high demand most of the time. Oil and gas has its ups and downs. Dante Foods. Let's look at that. Because you know what? The one that stands out to me is Degante Transportation. And then also property developments. Oh, no, no, um, port management. That is diversification if I've ever seen one. They're in consumer goods. I don't see Degante Cement as the main one. Here it is. So they're in cement. They're in consumer goods. What was the other one they're in? Degante Sugar. Okay, that's down there. So let's pull up the two that stand out to me. Degante Transportation, which is totally different than Sugar, unless the transportation companies are the ones that are moving around the other businesses. Let's look it. Let's look it up. All right, so let's pull up Degante Transportation and see what we can learn from it. Because this one stands out as totally diversification. What type of, what kind of transportation are they doing? Oh, don't you just love this? Degante Refinery, Degante Fertilizer, creating a solid foundation. Degante Trucks. Oh, let's look at that. Let's look at Degante Trucks. Okay, the video doesn't want to play. Degante Refinery, Degante Group founder of African Trade Transportation. Okay, we'll pull that up. And I'm not seeing anything specifically about Degante Transportation yet. But I'll find it. Trust me, I'll find it. This is about African trade. I'm not sure this is transportation. You know, went up because we were able to supply our goods right on time and also to satisfy the customers. So with that, really, uh, it gave us a lot of, uh, you know, headroom to make sure that we did a lot of volume, and that actually translated into making more money. What kind of investments are you making in Africa right now? Well, right now in Africa, we're making quite a lot of investments, uh, you know, totaling about $19 billion. Uh, we are doing the single largest refinery, uh, of 650,000 barrels per day, which is almost one third of Nigeria's production. And uh, we'll produce all sorts of, uh, you know, kerosene, I mean, kerosene, aviation fuel, all the, uh, you know, this thing. So when we uh, finish, we'll be able to supply Nigeria fully and we'll be able to also supply the other uh, countries in sub-Saharan uh, Africa with their petroleum 
uh, you know, demands. But why are we doing that? We are doing that because if you look at it, the sub-Saharan African countries, all of them, they import what they consume in terms of petroleum products. And that's why we believe that it is totally necessary, you know, for us to make sure that, yes, we actually take out this burden of importation of petroleum products by now putting up this big size of, uh, you know, uh, refinery. Uh, then we have the other one, which is the petrochemical. We are doing uh, polypropylene and polyethylene to the tune of 1.35 million metric tons, which will satisfy all the demands of the sub-Saharan uh, African uh, you know, countries in terms of polypropylene, polyethylene. The third one we are doing is the uh, fertilizer, which is urea, 3 million tons. is going to be the uh, only urea plant in the sub-Saharan uh, African countries, which will be able to supply to all the other major uh, consumers within the uh, African, uh, within the sub-Saharan African continent. So that can actually help to boost our agriculture. And uh, we don't really have delays in terms of supply of our own uh, urea demands. Uh, all right, so we're back on the website and it's really great information. I pulled up Degante Logistics. And thank you to Aliko Degante for telling us the areas that he's focused in. Uh, it says here, the biggest challenge for manufacturing is to tackle logistics and distribution costs, as products will have to be moved to newer markets from production centers. Apart from ramping up production capabilities across Africa by adding new greenfield projects, clinker grinding plants, and import terminals, we accord top priorities to scientific logistics. Our fleet is a fast and reliable service provider to thousands of customers nationwide. Our finished products are delivered to our markets nationwide with a professional team that has a minimum of 15 years of industry experience. Our goal is to be the best by helping our customers achieve their delivery schedules and timeframes, timelines. So in many ways, if, you, if you've manufactured cement, what's all the different areas? Sugar, seasonings, fertilizer, oil might be a little different, right? you would be relying on someone else to then take that take your products and deliver them somewhere else. And that then puts your company at risk of, you know, you're putting, you know, a lot, you're relying on another company to take care of your goods and, and services, right? Well, Degante Logistics cuts that all out. So not only do we own the production of the sugar, for example, but now we own the distribution to get the sugar directly to where we wanted to get it to. And we can still use Degante Logistics on outside vendors. I'm not sure whether they do or not. But if somebody else needs to get something somewhere, they can trust us to do that. So we can take care of our own stuff and we can put people in position to take care of others around the country. So what I'm noticing about these industrial conglomerates, here they are. Look, cement manufacturing, sugar refining, salt and seasonings, fertilizer, infrastructure. Remember that he said the reason why they have cement is for infrastructure. Well, Gigante has a whole, they can take the cement and they can actually build too. Tomato farming, rice farming, Automotive, refinery, energy, energy, petrochemicals, training academy, polysacks, real estate, mining, logistics, maritime. It's beautiful. I, I really love the way that this is being put together. Training academy. About the Dante Academy. Our mission at the Dante Academy is to be the center of excellence for corporate leadership. And now they're training because, you know, they're hiring over 30,000 people. Well, now they're, they're training their staff. They have a whole training area. Training partners create a blended learning experience with a strong focus on e-learning, coaching, and mentoring. We have collaborations with OEMs such as Harvard and Becker, FLS, Simons, Loach, and Ham Manufacturers. So now they're training people that aren't even part of Degante in order to be a well-established executive or uh, be the best version of themselves. 
this is one of their areas that they've acquired in. Does anyone see the power of having all these different branches? The training academy has no, has no direct impact on sugar. The training academy can move by itself. Do you let's say let's say for whatever reason that sugar just stopped. Right? No one could make sure they couldn't make sugar. Well, there's still fertilizer. Fertilizer and sugar got nothing to do with each other. Salt and seasonings, you can still move those. So when one goes down, it doesn't impact anything. If real estate's taking a bad hit, that doesn't doesn't impact anything. Let's look at this infrastructure because I felt, you know, he was talking earlier about having cement for infrastructure, and then they have infrastructure, infrastructure projects. Nigeria's longest concrete road project, concrete road. The road construction was undertaken by the Gante Cement PLC to cover a span of 43 kilometers. Also part of the infrastructure project of Degante, the group has completed another 26 million. The group is also helping to build infrastructure for the petrochemical uh, complex that includes Degante fertilizer and Degante oil refinery. One company just paying another to do the work for the other company. It's beautiful. Like when you start picturing the vision that you have for whatever you're building, your portfolio, how you want to acquire, I'm not saying it has to be a billion dollar company. I'm sure there has to be industrial conglomerates or people who move like industrial conglomerates and they do it on a smaller scale. I would love to find that. Is there a mini (laughs) conglomerate? I would love to find someone who's doing this at like the $50 million level. Conglom. Who's doing this on the $50 million level? Three well, oh, here we go. Three well-run mini conglomerates. Oh, this is perfect. I didn't even know. This is part. Oh, what is a small conglomerate? Okay, let's look. Let's look. Because it's really not about it being a billionaire, right? I think sometimes we get caught up in that. It's really the concept of it. Here we go. The companies below all have diverse product lines and operate as many conglomerates. Each firm has virtually no debt, a sustainable cash balance, solid management, and a history of being a serial acquirer. That's what they do. They acquire. And you know what they do? They contact somebody like me who does the research, who can go find this, build the relationships, so then we can cultivate and find where's the next place to acquire. What industries are next coming up? They bring in someone like me to help them. Three well-run mini conglomerates. National Presto. Cash as percentage of market cap. Here we go. National Presto Industries is a conglomerate that operates three primary business segments. Approximately 30% of the company's sales are derived from the sale of cookware. The division revenue has flatlined. Spectra Technology Subsidiary. Let's look this up. National Presto Industries. I want to get a clear look at a mini conglomerate. And so when I when I picture a mini conglomerate, I don't know what their numbers are. I mean, I could see somebody doing this on a hundred million dollar scale, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know the, the this number this company is. Oh, here we go. Let's look at their revenues. They're on the stock market. So if they're on the stock market, then they're making over fifty million. National Presto Industries revenues. Can anyone see? Oh, okay. They're making 35.33 billion. This is interesting. This is a pretty sizable company, National Presto Industries. 
They're a mini conglomerate. Where's their website? This is this is a perfect. I couldn't even ask for anything better than this. Because it shows you, you, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a billionaire to move like one. Do you see what I'm saying? Here it is, Presto Appliances. Okay. They did say cookware. I think I do remember this. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Waffle maker. Okay, now I'm now I'm getting it. Now it's making sense. The, the waffle makers, coffee machines. Okay. Okay, look at pressure cookers. So what else do they own? Corporate mission. So who I need a according to Presto Industries. I want to know all the stuff they own. I guess it was telling me on here, huh? Spectral Technologies. Catalyst, defense contracts larger larger than anticipated. Diapers. Yeah, I need, I would like to know. So the second company they said was J&J Snacks Corp producer of branded and private label groups the company's flagship products are the well-known super pretzels ice e brands jsf sells dough through enrolled products lancaster colony court so one of the one of the things that i best serve people to do if you want to build a mini conglomerate I'm one of the people you should talk to. I never knew the actual term of industrial conglomerates. But if you're looking to build a mini conglomerate where you can diversify your portfolio and have many different arms of that thing, this is where we should be talking. Lancaster Colony Corp. The Lancaster Colony Corporation manufactures food products, candles, and glassware. The division sells several brand names, including salad dressings, yogurt dips, and egg noodles. The remaining 11% of the firm's revenues are derived from the sales of glassware and candles under the Candlelight brand. The, the idea of a conglomerate isn't necessarily that it has to be a billion-dollar empire. I really feel like you can do this on a $50 million level and just have your hands in different areas. So then when one area has its ups and downs, the other area is going up. I really think a lot of people, I mean, this is not investment advice, but I I really feel like a lot of people should move as a mini conglomerate, especially in times like these. What is a small conglomerate? What is a conglomerate? A conglomerate is a corporation of several different, sometimes unrelated businesses. But why does it mention small and then that? In a conglomerate, one company owns a controlling stake in several smaller companies conducting business separately and independently. Conglomerates often diversify business risk by participating in many different markets. Although some conglomerates, such as those in mining, elect to participate in a single-sector industry, economists, however, warn that large and far-flung conglomerates can become inefficient and costly to maintain eroding values of shareholders. A conglomerate is a corporation made up of several different independent businesses. So economists warn that conglomerates can become too oversized to operate efficiently. So you can be too big. Actually, the best way to run a conglomerate from just as I'm thinking is to almost be a conglomerate to a certain point. At a certain point, it's like, okay, I think we've gone. We can have have other businesses, but they don't have to be underneath this particular brand. The parent company can cut back the risk from being in a single market by becoming a conglomerate diversified across several different industry sectors. 
Now, why is this important? Well, let's look at it. Seven to eight Bible scripture. There's a scripture about this. Just to remind, give portions seven yes to eight for you. Oh, here we go. Ecclesiastes 11.01. Cast your bread upon the waters for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Seven, yes, eight. Now, how many did Degante have? So he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. So when is it too big? When is it too much? That depends on who you are and what you're doing and what your mission is. But I could see someone moving through seven to eight is scripture based here. Different industries and diversifying the overall brand. I could see that as a strategy. Oh, this is fun. All right, so what else have we got? There was something else that stood out to me. I know you caught it earlier. Let's, let's see if we can find it. There was one more thing that stood out to me with all of this. And I was trying to see if anybody else caught it. We are on the we were on the Wikipedia page for Degante. And it was going through all of his work. Let's see if we can pull it up. Yeah, here we are. Remember this? We were right here, right? Nigerian businesses, and we looked at all his stuff. MH Properties, Savannah Sugar. And then we went down here. And I said, oh, the Gante Foundation. So now we talked about being in and diversifying your portfolio. And even you could look at having assets that have an infer- inverse. Oh, they have no, oh, you know what we got to do? We got to pull up Ray Dalio's uh, video. We have to. This is who, this is the exact, this is exactly what you need to know about. It is the, uh, let's see if we can pull up. Yep, there's a video. What's that called? The Holy Grail of Investing. Let's look at this. And then we'll look at the Gantes Foundation. marginal benefits of diversification like how it you know what is that going to look like okay and what I then decided to do was to think about uh, risk and the number of sample size and the correlation of the bets broke it down to each of its components right so to use an example let's assume you have to make it simple a return, something that has a 10% risk, we'll call risk standard deviation. And let's make it simple, and let's say it had a 10% return. And let's say I add in another asset, another return asset, return stream. I add in a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, up to whatever number. How would that reduce my risk? if it on average has a 60% correlation, or if it has on average has a 40% correlation, or a 0% correlation. How would that change? Wanted to know that, right? So that's what this chart shows, right? And so so imagine you have a 10% average return. You don't know which bet is gonna be better. Has a 10% average return and a 10% risk and you add in a second and a third and so on. 
you're not going to lose the 10% because you're still going to have that 10% return, but you're going to then have a reduction, and that's the reduction in risk. And if it has a 60% correlation and you have three or four, you will get a reduction that maybe is about 15%. And you could add in a thousand if they're 60% correlated and you're not going to reduce your risk much. Okay, that's important. Now, if I look at that, how that changes according to the levels of the correlation, I start to think, well, what would happen if I added in something that had a 10% correlation, by way of example? Okay, now that's what that line shows, okay? And it shows how much, okay, at about 7 or 8 or so, I cut my risk in half. That means I've doubled my return relative to my risk, right? Ooh, that's good. So as I go down this, I then start to understand what the power of diversification is in terms of the things that I'm going to look for. So um, what that taught me is um, the magic is in only, you only need to do this simple thing. The simple thing is to find 15 or 20 good uncorrelated return streams, things that are probably going to make money, but you don't know, but they have a good probability of making money, and that, but you have, that are uncorrelated, that have low correlation. That told me that's what I have to go after, right? That's the key. A lot of people think that the most important thing you could do is find the best investments, okay? That's important, okay, but there is no great one best investment that can compete with something like this. So look at this line. When this comes down, you can improve your return to risk ratio by a factor of five, right? Five times the expected return for that unit of risk. You can't pick any investments that are probably, nobody's humanly capable in an efficient market probably, to pick investments that are five times as good individually, but so that path so it tells me about the power of diversification and balancing risk. So this is the return to risk ratio that happens for each one of those. You know, like if I can get zero correlation and I have 15 to 20, I'll have an information ratio, a return to risk ratio of 1.25. That means my probability of losing money in a year is only 11%, okay? As this thing from 40% with any one of those. So that's the power of portfolio construction and the power of diversification, okay? So it tells me what I have to go after. So knowing this, what, what Ray Dalio is telling you is that if you have assets that are have a lower amount of correlation, and this could be used in your personal investing, this can be used in your private investing, this could be used as a conglomerate, it's diversification. And if you can lower, let's push this back just a little bit so you can see the. If you can lower the amount of the core, how much of your assets are correlated, it's not about having the best investment and what did you invest in and how do we invest in that too. It's about, well, are they correlated with what I already have? So how do I find a really great investment that's uncorrelated to this other really great investment I have? So then as this one thrives and this one thrives, they ain't really got much to do with each other, if at all. And Ray Dalio was saying, well, that's the holy grail of investing. If you can do that, it's not about finding what's going to give me the biggest returns. It comes down to which ones are not going to impact each other. So then if something happens over here and it falls, this one over here has nothing to do with it. And then when this one falls, this one's back up and they just, they go, they don't go hand in hand. And that's what I'm seeing with some of the conglomerates. If it's structured the right way, it could be moved in a way that creates holy grail. All right. So let's get back to what I was going to talk about. I was going to pull up
I was going to pull up the foundation, remember? So let's pull that up. Where was it at? Ligante Foundation, it had a link. Here we go. I think we're on this page. Okay. So we're on this page. Maybe it was the other page. Okay. That's what it was. We were here and we went. So what we want to pull up now is the Degante Foundation. Degante Foundation. And I want to see if it tells us anything from there too. This is really great. Alinko Degante Foundation. Here we go. DevX. DevX, also independent website. Degante Foundation is a corporate social responsibility arm of Degante Group. The foundation is responsible for contributing over $100 million in charity funds to several causes in Nigeria and Africa over the last past four years. In 2012, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced that it had entered into a strategic partnership with the Degante Foundation to eradicate polio in Nigeria. Awesome. Let's keep looking. I want to pull up their website. Here it is. Oliko Degante Foundation, fostering collective growth. Degante Foundation is dedicated to adding value to people's lives. Now, why is this important? Pull up for those who listened to the last episode. Pull up your billionaire census. So the billionaires are an industrial conglomerate. We just found that. Remember, he's he was also investing in real estate. Part of the industrial conglomerate is manufacturing. So the thing about industrial conglomerates is they tend to end up being in all of all of these food and beverage. He's technically in all of these industries almost by being an industrial industrial conglomerate. By being an industrial conglomerate, it allows him to be in all the major places that billionaires reside. And one of them is nonprofit and social organizations. See, right there. That's what the Degante Group does. I'm sorry, the Degante Foundation. It provides that opportunity. I always feel weird when they say our schemes. I think that is more of a cultural word. That's not something that we say on our website. I wouldn't put what is our scheme. But it might be just a cultural thing. Enhancing opportunities for social change. 20 years later, the foundation has become the largest private foundation in sub-Saharan Africa. Let's look at the video and see what they're talking about. The people live in one country. I'm here with my friend, Aliko Dangote. A lot of people, they are not really aware of the malnutrition issues that we have in Nigeria. Malnutrition is such a gigantic problem. Part of it is just getting enough food, but another part is getting various vitamins, micronutrients. You really want a supplementation where you take the things that low-income households are buying and try to make sure that the iron, the vitamin A, a variety of other things are included with those foods. We actually started iodizing our salt by 1998. In uh, 2002, we started putting vitamin fortification in the sugar, in the flour, in the pasta. And now whatever that we produce in Dongote Group, whatever you eat, you have micronutrients there. Here we've got flour that's got the vitamin A in it. Here we've got uh, salt with iodine in it. We gathered 13 of the CEOs that produce 80% of the foods that we sell in Nigeria, and they committed to adding nutrients into whatever they are producing. Which will have a big impact on health. 
What we just want is for the government regulatory agencies to make sure that, yes, it is enforced everywhere. And that can really help in terms of stopping malnutrition in Nigeria. By solving problems in Nigeria, you can have a huge impact on all of Africa. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, there's something you can look, you know, further into. The Degante Group uh, is in health, education, empowerment, humanitarian relief. Why is that important? Well, let's look at what kind of nonprofits the business billionaires are in. Does anybody remember? Because now we're bringing this whole report to life. Let's see. And here it is. Top five philanthropic causes among billionaires. Education, health, arts, and culture, social services, environment. Right? Well, let's pull that back up again. Health, education, environment, humanitarian relief. He's basically in all the areas in where most billionaires are found. So the report holds true. Education, health, arts and culture, social services, environment, and for the animals. And so many would say malnutrition could be part of that. Do you see how that all ties together? Health, education, empowerment. What are they empowering? Individuals and communities, we have empowered women through our micro-grant program aimed at poverty. Humanitarian relief. Now, go back to our LeBron James-inspired episode, and there's also a strategy to having a private foundation. You can do good, but then there's also a wealth strategy to it that they did not want to report about of how LeBron James went to that billion-dollar status. Go listen to that episode, inspired by LeBron James. There's a wealth component to doing all of this. This is a beautiful breakdown. This is the richest Black man in the world. And he's showing you how he has dominion over the earth. He's showing you by using the Holy Grail strategy, how you can have dominion over the the earth, how you can impact the world by diversifying your investments, by being in seven or eight different industries, by having a global outlook. It really should be an eye-opener of how our mind should be thinking. So you ultimately were trading cement, and then was it hard to get the money to keep that business going? No, it wasn't really hard. Uh, At that time, I was buying domestically. We started importation in 1980, because I started business in 78. So by 1980, we started importing sugar, rice, you know, commodities generally. And then we stopped the cement uh, business. Because the cement, I was actually doing local trading. It wasn't really import business. We started import of cement in 2000. If it's part of your hobby, then you do it better. In Nigeria, it's assumed that um, there are just two different classes, just the rich and then the poor. Now, is, is, it, is this because of privatization or corruption, or why is this? And if this is, what, what can the government or people like you do to build that middle class? Uh, in Nigeria, uh, I think, yes, Corruption maybe was actually part of it for not creating that middle class. But if you look at it, power alone can create a lot of middle class in Nigeria. Power, by us just having power. So if the government fixes power in the next one or two years, you see quite a lot of people coming from the poor segment to that middle class segment. You know, there was a study by, I don't know that it was Goldman Sachs by one of the firms saying that if Nigeria can have one additional uh, hour of power, our GDP will grow to 9%. Mm. 
the potentials here, they are enormous. You know, family, friends. So we all uh, knew ourselves, and you know, I tried to be very because my grandfather used to be a very strict person. So I always try to make sure that I don't cross the bounds. You know. Did you ever think you'd be the 51st richest man in the world and the richest man in Africa? And how does that feel? <laughs> really, no, not at all. You know, um, I've never really even thought of making it to the pops list. That is to start with, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to God that I'm there. But, you know, it is also tough to be there. Mm-hmm. When you are there, then you really, really have to make sure that you don't get thrown out of the list. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say the key secret to your success has been? Uh, hard work. I okay. believe that, you know, we're a very focused, we're a very focused company. We don't really go into things that we don't understand. You know, any business that I don't uh, understand it well, I don't do it at all. And that's really why, you know, uh, why we are successful. Mm-hmm. So you talk 